Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. Good morning, Inspire family. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are joining us uh, today. In fact, it is my honor to bring to you the last installment of a, of a series that we've been doing uh, really for almost a year now through the book of Romans. Uh, but before we dive in, if you would scroll down and just hit that share button and invite some people in, that would be awesome. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to dive in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord God, as we begin to unpack your word, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will have ears to hear what you have uh, anointed your servant Paul to write in this letter to the Roman church. I thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guess what, guys? We did it. We did it. We have gone through the entire book of Romans, and today we're going to look at the very last chapter, and so you did it. And to be honest, we did not skip a beat in this series. I mean, we talked about everything, total depravity, God's wrath, predestination, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, politics, drinking, racism, injustice. We face questions like, can we lose our salvation? Or is there such thing as free will, right? Or how is it that the death of Jesus Christ can actually save humanity? Is God a moral monster? What use is the Old Testament laws have for today and so on and so forth? I think we use the word circumcision like 53 times. Um, and you have made it. Three seasons, 29 episodes. This is exciting. In fact, if you are watching this or listening to this right now and you have been able to listen to every sermon in this series, can you just in the comments just type, I made it? If you've listened to or watched every series in the Ro in this Roman series by faith, just in the comment section, just put, I made it. I'm so proud. This is exciting. So let's go to Romans chapter 16 right now. It reads like this, starting in verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church of Sancria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me, and so I am thankful to them, and so are all of the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend, Epitius. Uh, he was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greetings to Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me, they are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Amplitius, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanius, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachus. Greet 
Apeus, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Perseus, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, uh, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Uh, give my greetings to Ancetricius and uh, Phelegion, Hermes and Petrobus, um, Hermes and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philogus and Julia and Nuresius and his sister and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. All the churches of Christ send you their greeting. And now I want to make one more appeal, dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions um, and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what, uh, to, what I have, to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They are serving their own personal interests. By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise and doing right and stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings as do Lucius, Jason, and Sopiter. My fellow Jews, I, Tertius, the one will, writing this letter for Paul, send my greetings too as one of the Lord's followers. Gaius says hello to you. He is my host and also serves as the host of the whole church. Ariatus, the city treasurer, sends his greetings, and so does our brother Cortus. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and proclaim and proclamation about Jesus Christ, this message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plans for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all the Gentiles everywhere so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever. Amen and amen. Wow, guys, I didn't think I was going to make it through the, that list of names, but uh, I tried my best. But please keep me in prayer as uh, we review some of those. But what's interesting is that we don't know most of the 26 individuals that Paul names, especially in verses 1 through 16. And some of them, as you heard, has strange names, right? Listen, if you are about to be a new parent and you are looking for baby names, I would not look in Romans 16, right? Think of like, 
like Rufus, for instance, um, you know, or Ampliatus, uh, or uh, uh, a variety of other ones that you could choose from. Narcius, right? There's another one. Uh, and in fact, Narcius, I think, means like ego boy. Um, and so there's an entire list there of these crazy names. Um, and for most people, you might look at that list and it might not mean much to you, but actually there's a lot we can learn from what Paul is doing by naming these people. Um, and so actually the first thing we can learn, number one, is this, is that unity in the body outweighs division in society. I'm going to say that again. Number one, unity in the body outweighs division in society. These names show you that the early church was actually diverse. They may sound strange to you, but they reveal a distinction in race, in class, and in gender, right? So for instance, in race, some are Jewish names and some are Gentile names. Some are from the Middle East, some from Asia, some from Europe. Paul mainly seems concerned to demonstrate that the early church consisted both of Jew and Gentile. And having them together in one church gave rise, gave rise to all kinds of sort of cultural and political problems which Paul had dealt with in, in, in Romans. Um, you have to wonder, I mean, wouldn't it have been easier to just be like, well, I'm going to make a Jewish church over here and a Gentile church over there? Probably. But, but Paul knew that these believers were demonstrating unity that Christ wanted to have in one church, unity in one church, um, and which was important for gospel witness. And if you believe that, then you, ha then, then you have to do more than just say amen to that, right? Uh, for instance, here at Inspire, we don't just merely want to host multi-ethnic events, but we want to live multi-ethnic lives. And so this list reveals um, distinction in race, that, there were, that this was a multi, the early church was multi-racial, but, but also we see distinctions in class. Some of these people uh, were of considerable means, right? For, for instance, Aristobulus, Aristo, or Narcissus, um, both of them um, have said that they are the head of households or they had estate, right? Um, in fact, some believe that Narcissus was the grandson of Herod the Great. Um, and, and so here we have Paul uh, who, is, who is recognizing people or Erastius who is the city treasurer. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been able to go on a tour in Rome, but if you do, they will point to a, a, an ancient building that actually has his name on it. And, and given the times that they were in where Caesar ruled, if you, if he allowed uh, you to have a building named after you, then you were a pretty important person, right? But those weren't all the names that were listed in this list that Paul wrote. He also uses other names like Rufus and Urbanus, uh, which were common slave names. And here they sit together in church as equals. And that's what's behind Paul's commandment in verse 16 when he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now listen, some of you single guys, you latched onto that verse, didn't you? You can lean in 
right? Like, I think that's a verse I can get behind, but that's not the kind of kiss that Paul is talking about here, right? Uh, emphasis on the word holy, right? In other words, this was a kiss on the cheek that was a sign of equality and friendship in the church and, and, and family. And, and this is a place where you saw royalty and slave meet together as equals. That, re that recognition of equality was seeded, by the way, ultimately uh, is what undid slavery in, in societies impacted by the gospel. In fact, one of the best works on the history of slavery is by an African-American man named Thomas Swole. And I want to read this quote to you. Listen to what he says. He said this, who did all, uh, he said this, slavery has been part of human history in every major culture, but only in Christianized societies uh, did we see a moral struggle against it and all kinds of lament get written in reaction and ultimately change comes from within. That's because in the gospel, it is a view of a man uh, that it has a view of man that destroys the basis for those kind of hierarchies. There's only one race of people, human, only one class, sinner, only one hope, the grace of Jesus. Wow. So in this list, we see a distinction in race. In this list, we see a distinction in class. But also in this list, we see a distinction in gender. Uh, of the 26 names mentioned, eight or nine of them were women. And the only reason we don't know if it's eight or nine is because Junia could be a, a guy's name or a girl's name, just like the name Taylor or Jamie, right? So, so we're not sure. So it could have been eight or nine women. But Paul's inclusion of women, uh, this kind of shout out in, in, th in this kind of letter was very intentional and very unusual because Rome and Jerusalem were both very male-dominated societies. Yet he calls these women, check this, these women, check this out, co-laborers, right? But particularly worthy of note is, is Phoebe. Notice this, it is debated a little bit on what her official title was, but what we do know is that Paul recognizes her as a co-laborer and gave her a very important task. She would, she's the one that would be bringing the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Rome, which means that she doesn't just bring it and drop it off, but it means that she reads it and that she expounds on it or that she answers any questions they may have about it, which is very important. Um, and so she would have conveyed Paul's wishes um, to them. Paul also mentions uh, uh, like Priscilla, um, which we know in uh, from Acts that she helped mentor Apollos, um, a well-known preacher in the early church. And so the point is, is that these women were prominent and very influential in early ministry. They, they weren't just merely in the back, you know, making copies and getting coffee for the men while they worked, right? But in the church, we see a society where distinctions of superiority based on race or class or gender no longer applied. Wow. 
In fact, if you are not bringing reconciliation to those around you, it is because there was a conflict in your heart between you and the gospel. The, the men in the, the Jewish community back then, uh, every morning as part of their rituals, repeat a prayer that was found in the Talmud. And, and they would say this, God, we, we thank you for all of the blessings that you've given us. And I thank you, Lord God, that I am not a woman, that I am not a slave, and that I am not a Gentile. That, that's what they would say right? And so it's no coincidence that when the physician Luke records Paul going into Philippi, a Gentile city, the first three people that he leads to Christ, um, that he brings into this community of believers was a woman named Lydia, second was a slave girl, and third was a Gentile who was the the Philippian prison guard. So, So the first ever church service that happened in Philippi was a church service that tore down barriers, brought equality and unity. Wow. So number one, the first thing you see from this list is that there's unity in the body outweighs division in society. Number two, that know this, you never graduate from the need to connect in the body. You never graduate for the need to connect in the body. What's striking in this list is how many people Paul felt personally connected to, right? If anybody in the kingdom of God ever had an important job, it was Paul. It was Paul. I mean, his preaching and teaching would set the direction of the church for the next 2,000 years, but he's not isolated off in, in some sort of prophet's chambers alone by himself, you know, writing things out, right? But he seems to be swimming with friends, right? And not just a bunch of apostles like him, but ethnically diverse friends, weak and strong friends, slave and free and rich and poor and men and women. You know, it's interesting because as Inspire has gotten bigger, as we have grown, that there's a temptation towards isolation, right? In fact, some of us have believed the lie that that there's always important stuff to be doing and I don't have time for the messiness of ordinary relationships. But that's dangerous. That's dangerous because it's not how God designed us to live and that will lead us to all kinds of problems, In fact, the Scientific American Journal says that isolation or loneliness shortens your lifespan by 15 years. It's the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Right? And so we have to know that that we were created for relationship. Some Christians feel like the ability to live by yourself with just you and God is sort of this mark of spiritual maturity. But but actually, that's wrong. I I want you to look at what theologian D.A. Carson says. This is interesting. Watch this. He says, Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. The ache for friends is the one ache that is not the result of sin. Wow. See, God made us in such a way that we couldn't even enjoy paradise without relationship, without human interaction. Adam had the perfect quiet time every day, right? For, For 24 hours a day. Yet he still needed another human relationship. 
And so if you do find loneliness, it's not because, oh, I'm feeling lonely, so that must mean I'm dysfunctional. No, you're lonely because you're not a machine, you, you, right? You have this deep desire, this need for spiritual friendship. And that sign is, is not spiritual immaturity, but maturity. It's not a sign of weakness, but it's a sign of health. Because love and connection in the body is the ultimate sign of Christian community. See, when Paul lists out these people and praises them, he doesn't talk about how important they were or how much that, that they had given or even how gifted they were in ministry over and over again. He only praises one thing, their devotion to God and their devotion to one another. That what he praises is what they've done for God and what they've done for one another. And that's because for Paul, that is a sign of spiritual maturity. In fact, the health of your walk with Jesus is measured less by how much you know, but rather by how, how well you are known in the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. The health of your walk with Jesus is measured less by how much you know, and rather by how well you are known in the body of Christ. Do you know your brothers and sisters? Do you have relationships, deep relationships with them? So number one, what we see from this list is that unity in the body outweighs division in society. Number two is that you are never going to graduate from the need to connect within the body. And then number three, in the body, ordinary members play extraordinary roles. See, this list shows you that there were a whole lot of people uh, involved in ministry, most of them whom we're never going to hear about again, right? Uh, for, for instance, um, the, the, the very man who was pinning this letter as Paul was writing to him that we see in verse 22, right? And he greets you in the Lord. Right? And you say, well, wait a minute, Paul didn't write this letter? Yes, but, but he would have dictated the letter uh, to this man who was trained to write quickly and clearly. And that's what Paul indicates here, right? And, and, and so what, what he, basically what he's doing is, he is he's, he's sort of giving a hello to the person that is behind the camera. Right now, we have, Patrick is behind this camera, these cameras operating it. And it's almost like me giving a shout out. Hey, Patrick. You know, Patrick says hello to everybody and he's back there waving right now, right? We, there are a lot of, of men and women that are behind the scenes that make the things that inspire do, that does possible. And we thank the Lord for them. And, and some of you don't even know their names and, and, and that's okay. They don't do it to get self gratification uh, uh, or, or uh, you know, accolades from you or, or even recognition. They do it because they are wanting to serve the Lord. They have a desire to serve him and to, to serve uh, the, his body, right? 
And this is, this is sort of that way that he does it. Or like uh, Perseus, who he says worked hard. He says really hard in the ministry. That Then you have Priscilla and Aquila in verse 3, who risk their lives for the ministry and, and open up their homes for church meetings. And, and Rufus, um, whose mom evidently played a significant mother-like role in Paul's life because Paul says, uh, Rufus, say hi to your mom for me because she's been like a mother to me, Right? Now, again, most of these people that he lists here, we're never going to hear from again. And yet you owe a debt of gratitude to them because they had a huge impact on spreading the gospel. Historian Stephen Neal says this, check this out. He says, nothing is more remarkable about the spread of the gospel in the first century than its anonymity. Wow. See, at the end of the first century, there were three great church plant, uh, church planting centers, right? There was Antioch, there was Alexandria, and there was Rome. Now, these are the, these are the three churches that were like the epicenter of planting other churches, right? Um, and, and these three churches that they are going to save Christianity for hundreds of years. And yet we have no idea who planted them. In fact, the founding of the church in Antioch is recorded by, uh, by physician uh, Dr. Luke in chapter 11 um, of, his, uh, of, his, of his letter. And this is what he says. He doesn't name a single one of, of their founders, but he says this. He says this, the Lord's hand was with them. That's all he says. The Lord's hand was with them, them, them. That is Luke's way of saying that a bunch of men and women, a bunch of people that, that I don't have, I'm not going to mention all of them, but, but there's a bunch of them, right? And the Lord's hand is with them. I mean, th these are the kind of people who get listed like in the credit of a movie as bystander number three, right? That you're probably not even going to notice unless there's bloopers after the, after the reel. But anyway, but, 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 but they planted a church that would one day send out the Apostle Paul. A church planning church. They were a disciple making movement. And these are people that, that you see here in Romans 16. Unknown people who worked hard. They sacrificed. Many suffered and some died. And because they did, we are here today. When they lived, we were the ends of the earth to them. Because they were faithful, we have a chance to hear. This is the difference between the society of the world and the society of a gospel-centered community. Be because those that are in the world are, all, are always trying to make a name for themselves. But Christians already have one. See, see the pressure of notoriety dissipates because we are known by Christ. Our identity is in him. Right? In fact, in fact, idolatry, what idolatry really is, is building your identity or, or finding your greatness or meaning or significance and security on something else besides God. But as Christians, our meaning, our, our, our significance, um, our name is his name. It is in him. And in every generation that the gospel spreads, it is because of ordinary people grab hold of their responsibility in the moment. And it's our turn, Inspire Church. So here's the question. 
Will you be a part of that faithful them? For, for, for those who will say, listen, if my name is forgotten, so Christ's name is remembered, then it's all worth it. Are, are you part of that? I think this chapter gives you a preview of heaven. But by listing out their name, Paul, Paul says, nobody ever sees you, but Jesus sees you. Jesus recognizes you. Will he recognize you? Paul, Paul's final words in Romans are really reserved for God. As he reflects on the gospel he, that he's just written about and the movement that he's a part of, all of a sudden what he does in verse 25 is he breaks out into prayer. Look, look what he says in verse 25. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ. In fact, that verse actually ties us all the way back to Paul's opening message in chapter 1. Because in chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I'm not ashamed for it, of the gospel, for it is the power. That, that, that word power uh, like, uh, is the same word that he uses here for the word able. Paul is saying that the same power God uses to save us by the gospel is, the, is also the very same power he uses to strengthen us in the gospel. Do you catch that? The, the same power, the same power that God uses to save us is the same power that God uses to strengthen us. So in other words, God launched your salvation by the gospel and he will sustain it by the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for all of salvation. It, it, it isn't just how you begin in Christ, but it's also how you grow in Christ. It's not just the ABCs of Christianity, but Paul has spent 16 chapters trying to show you how the gospel is what you need in order to live life and live the life that God has for you. And he does this for 16 chapters. For instance, in Romans chapter 1 and 2, Paul explains how understanding the gospel, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, changes our outlook on life. That in the gospel, we realize what a mess we were and, and why if we, if, if we were to be saved, only God could do it, right? And then in chapter 2, he unpacks why religion can't save us. Your good works cannot save you. Religion neither removes the stain of our sin nor repairs the damage of our sin or the damage to our hearts. And so we have to conclude with Paul in chapter three that there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet there is good news for us in righteousness, Christ's righteousness, in the redemption of Jesus Christ, whom God presented as an, as an atoning sacrifice in his blood through faith in his name so that God could be simultaneously righteous and the one who declares righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. So, where, so, so where, does, where does that leave our boasting? 
It's excluded. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith alone, apart from works, apart from the law. It is the one who does not work. Uh, chapter 4 tells us, but, but, but believe on him who justifies the ungodly, whose faith is counted as righteousness. To those who trust the promise, just as Abraham did, who, who trust in Jesus, delivered up for the trespasses and raised for our, ju- our justification. And then in Romans chapter 5 and 6, uh, where, our, where, where our glorious uh, re- reminder that since we have been declared righteous by faith alone, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ and that his life in us now gives us victory over sin because though, through, because though the wages of sin are death, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We, we must therefore reckon our ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Jesus Christ. And then Romans 7 describes our ongoing battle with the flesh and sin. With Paul, we, de- we, we despair that though our minds know what we ought to do, our flesh just can't do it. And we lament with Paul because there is nothing good in our flesh. And we cry out with him, who shall deliver me from this body of death, right? But, but with Paul, we answer, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we celebrate him uh, with him in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest uh, chapters in all of the Bible. Look as it paraphrases here. Look, Look what it says. It says this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that regardless of what you're going through, God's plans for you are only as, are only and always good. Uh, that all things work together for those who are loved by God and who are called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who could be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the very love of God that is in Jesus. Christ our Lord. And then Romans chapter 9 and 10 and 11 show us that we can trust God, that he will keep his promises to us because he's kept all the promises to Israel. Romans 9 through 11 present a God eager to save, a God who works mysteriously yet mercifully, a God who, who, whose ways leads us to conclude, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and how untraceable his ways. And then Romans 12 shows us that those who believe the gospel must inevitably become the gospel, right? Those who have been greatly loved become people of great love. And that love is non-selective and non-private and non-safe. And then in chapter 13, he explains how our hope in God is eternal, is in the eternal kingdom, enables us to endure this hostile world. Then in chapter 14, expressed sort of our motto as believers, right? If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And we were challenged to unite as a church. Chapter 15 showed us that that each of us has a role to play in God's kingdom, a, a sacred trust in carrying out his mission, 
And, and all of chapter 14 and 15 showed reconciliation. It showed what it is to, to reconcile one race to another, what, what it is to stand up for injustice, what, what, what it means that when there is uh, arguing within the body of Christ to, to lay down your rights in order for there to be peace and pick up the rights of someone else. And then finally in chapter 16, we celebrate the beauty of the body of Christ. This truly is one of the greatest letters ever written. And to know that our salvation is not by our own works, but it is by faith alone. It's not about, it's not about Christ knowing what we do. It's about us knowing what Christ has done. So as we close this letter, there's really only one question, which is this, do you know Jesus? Are you putting your faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to earn your salvation? Are you trying, are you, are you basing uh, your, your spiritual salvation, whether you go to heaven or not, whether you're holy or not, based on the works that you do? Or are you putting your faith completely in what Jesus Christ has done for you? In other words, are you alive? Are you alive? Do, do you guys remember the movie Braveheart? It's been a while since I've watched it, but remember the movie Braveheart, right? It's starring Mel Gibson who plays William Wallace and he's this medieval Scottish patriot who is spurred into revolt against the English, right? And, and the most famous quote from this movie by far is when he says this, every man dies, but not every man really lives. Remember that part? He says, every man dies, but not every man really lives. So I ask you again, are you really living or are you just existing? Have you experienced the saving power of the gospel in your life? This whole letter of Romans screams that the reason he came is that you and I are desperately lost without him and that there's nothing we can do. We, we can't be good enough or nice enough or kind enough. We, we can't be moral enough. So in his love, he came to take on your penalty and my penalty, our penalty for sin but you have to receive him. You have to surrender. See, getting to heaven is not going to God and say, okay, God, I got my life together. I got it together now. I did it, yep. I got it together. I, I worked really hard. I prayed really hard. I, I read my Bible really hard. I was really involved in church. I, I, I changed my behavior. I did behavior modification, right? I got it together. That's not how you come to Jesus Christ. How you come to Jesus Christ is by admitting that you're broken and that no matter how hard we try, we just cannot do it without him, right? You don't have to understand every theology and, and, and doctrine uh, in, in order to believe, but you do have to understand this, 
that you are lost without Jesus, that he loves you and that he offered himself to you. Wow. The book of Romans, it's been an adventure. It's been exciting. Are you living or are you just existing? Right now, today, right where, right where you are, just now as you're watching this, would you just begin to examine your own motives? But maybe for some of you, you, you have not walked into a church in years, maybe ever. Maybe for some of you, you've been to church, but you got hurt or uh, disappointed. Maybe for some, you've been coming to church uh, for, for many years, maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but, but your motive has been a, a, a sort of works for salvation type of experience. And you have not experienced God in the way that Paul talks about in Romans, this life transforming way. You can, you can by just repenting, surrendering, and calling upon the name of Jesus, saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. Amen. Thank you guys so much. And I'm going to end with this prayer. And then uh, we're going to respond with some worship. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord God, that as your gospel has been preached, that Heavenly Father, that as we've gone through this letter that you had Paul write to the Roman church. And Heavenly Father, even though it was to them, it is also for us. And Lord God, I pray that if someone is feeling challenged right now, if somebody is feeling far from you, if somebody is feeling uh, that they have missed the mark. Maybe some of you, maybe there's somebody, Lord Jesus, out there that is listening and watching who's been to church for years, but they have not experienced what, what, what this book of Romans has talked about. I pray, Lord God, that they will surrender their hearts, that they will repent and believe the gospel even right now. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Inspire Churches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.